0: Hello and welcome to the Republican View with me, your host, Jeff Gorman. We are taking a look at the news and views of the Monterey Bay area for the week, March 4th, and it has been another wild week. We've got all kinds of craziness. I had a very interesting review last week. I'm still reeling from hearing from the Salinas Chamber last week and their interview with a whole bunch of democrats that hold power that are mucking up the works here in the community. And so that has been on my mind all week this week. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about where does this mandate for all this massive housing come from? So I want to get into that a little bit, the the agencies that oversee us and the take a paternalistic attitude like they've got to look out for us and we don't know what we're doing and what we're about. That is so against me and my view of how the government is supposed to be working. It's supposed to be, we, the people, right? We, the people, you, me, we need to know what's going on. We need to know the basis for decisions other people are making, and we need to be able to have a venue for pointing out other points of view and make sure those get a fair hearing. And believe me, Nobody else is going to do it for us. We, the people, need to stand up and do it. So I hope you'll join me in that. This show is on every Saturday at four o'clock on Power Talk, fourteen sixty and one hundred one FM, fourteen sixty AM in the Monterey Bay Area. So I hope you'll tune in in the future. You can also get the show as a podcast on Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Media, etc. Pretty much all your favorite podcasting apps will carry the show. You do need to search for The Jeff Gorman Show. This is a carryover from my campaign. I haven't figured out how to get the podcasting apps to rebrand the show, The Republican View. But I hope you will go on there and listen to past shows. We've interviewed some very interesting people. I'm happy to say I've got a uh, intern with the Monterey County Republican Party here with me today. Longtime listeners will remember William interviewed a Navy postgraduate school professor about the idea of having a mandated service, like a draft kind of a thing, and that interview was very good. So it's with my pleasure I reintroduce William.
1: Hey, uh, my name is uh, William Burkholz, and yeah, I work as an intern at the Monterey County Republican Party, and yeah, I was able to do an interview on um, what if U.S. citizens had to serve two years in the military. The interview was from a couple shows ago, and um, it's good to be back.
0: Excellent. So, William, I have a theme going on this show. I think you've heard me talk about it because William's been here when I've recorded some other shows with uh, Margo, for example, and I've got a theme going saying you can handle the truth. And for people of a certain age, and I mean, old people, um, there's a movie called, uh, a few good men. And there's a famous scene with Jack Nicholas and he's a Colonel in the Marine Corps. And he, blurts out in his confession that he did perpetrate a crime and was about to get court-martialed, but he didn't even perceive that was what he was doing. He blurts out, You can't handle the truth! And it's a famous line, classic Jack Nicholas. Have you ever seen that movie? No. no. Oh, okay. So this is the problem for me with politics. And I think for a lot of Americans that have a view of how great this country is and how grateful we are for our parents and the previous generations, that's a cultural icon from the 90s. But that's all getting to be a long time ago now, right? And so you're 26. Never seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no idea what I'm talking about. So the idea of you can't handle the truth, that's based in national security. And in a way, the Marine Corps colonel, and this is a Hollywood production, so if you're in the Marine Corps, please understand, or if, you know, you're know you a Marine out there listening, please understand, I know Jack Nicholas was not a Marine, and that that's a Hollywood version of how it is. But it was couched in national security that you don't get to know how we do things in the Marine Corps on the wire, like at the front line, on the wall yeah. at Guantanamo, in this particular case. You don't get to know because you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth means you are less and inferior and you're not able to judge me, the guy that's in charge of national security. And generally speaking, I think that's true. A lot of people can't imagine what it's like to be a Marine running around in frigid weather, weather in the woods for days and weeks and months on end. Up in the Korogal, or whatever you know, some of these places, horrible places in Afghanistan, that, where you're just totally exposed, you're freezing, you're eating like little packet, little plastic sacks of food every day, yep. and uh, it's it's. I mean, a lot of people think it's fun, not a lot. A few good men think it's fun. Most people would be very shy to do that. So I get it. There, the movie, the Hollywood thing, it's a good movie and it portrays something, but it really betrays the national security attitude that the American people don't get to know. So that's why I twist it and I say, you can handle the truth, you know? And now okay, so I want to hear your
1: thoughts on snowflakes eventually, but what Yeah, I think the right thing to do is to have transparency and for the government or in this case the Marines to trust the American people that they they can understand what Marines go through.
0: Yeah. Well it may be a Pretty substantial communication effort to get there. But I agree. I do agree. And there's so the top secret national security, that's what the swamp uses to do whatever the heck they want to, to Donald Trump and to us. And then they tell us, you can't know that. You can't handle the truth. You don't get to know why the Chinese were flying a balloon over our thing. You don't get to know how destructive our various nuclear bombs are or what we know about the Russian and the Chinese nuclear programs or Iran's nuclear program. So those things are... The American people, in order to make a good decision about how to spend a trillion dollars a year on defense, the American people need to know what we're up against and know what we're getting for a trillion dollars. That's a lot of money. You know, yeah. William, I want to share with you and the audience how it, you know, there's people... A million dollars ain't what it used to be, but it's still a lot of money, right? So if you, as a young man, you're, it's not too late, you can build up to be a millionaire. It's, it's pretty straightforward math. If you save $500 a week... You just go to the bank, get five one hundred dollar bills, and you stick them under your mattress. Every week, for forty years, you will eventually. At that end of forty years, you will have one million dollars. Oh, wow. Forty years, every week, sticking five hundred dollars under your mattress, you can have a million dollars. So, if you want a billion dollars, it's easy. It's just a billion is a thousand million. So, you just need to stick five hundred thousand dollars under your mattress every week <laughs> for forty years to get one billion dollars. Now, a trillion is a thousand times that. That's pretty insane, right? Five hundred million dollars a week yeah. is one trillion bucks in 40 years. So times 40. I mean, it's you know, you need scientific notation to do this. So what I'm basically saying is this national security thing, we need to figure out how to get the American people much more informed about where their money is going on just, just national security. But then there's the pandemic, and there there's obviously a lot of shady stuff going on with that and they were couching it, you know, You don't tell people about ivermectin. Don't tell them that it won the Nobel Prize for medicine in 2015 or whenever it was because it is such a miracle drug for certain things. Don't tell them that because they might start believing something wrong about the pandemic. What, you know, and I, I'm not a scientist, I've reviewed a few papers, but I don't know really what they mean. But ivermectin is not horse goo. It, it is a bona fide <laughs> medicine for humans. That, that helps beat back single-cell parasites. And it may well work on viruses, for all I know. It's a fairly new medicine. And, and Tony Fauci clearly did not know what it did or didn't do. But I think Tony Fauci had an interest in misleading the American people about ivermectin, for whatever reason. And same with hydrochloroquine, which is an older medicine and has certain effects on, again, parasites and single-cell organisms. So why, why was this this information squelched and censored and all of that, it's to protect us. Excuse me, we have free speech in this country for a reason. We need that, right? So, okay, I'm on my soapbox. What do you think about my idea of using this theme, you can handle the truth, to encourage our listeners to get more active? And particularly, how do I get younger people more involved?
1: Yeah, I think something the American people really liked about Trump was everything was filmed. And so when... He would sign legislation the american people could be right there with him to to learn about the legislation and kind of he had he had a plan you know and the american people could understand where he was where he was at with the plan and kind of what the next steps were for the country whereas like nowadays with joe biden we we have no idea what he's up to um Mm. we just see him um you know giving money to ukraine giving military equipment to ukraine um, there doesn't really seem to be like a real like plan in place. Um, they seem to be much more kind of uh, kind of living in the moment. Um, whereas I think nowadays, especially with what we have going on with China and Russia, it's important for the country to have a plan and kind of a, a sense of direction of how we can continue to be the number one superpower in the world. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I
0: agree. I think it's it's a good point you make about clarity. For example, everyone knows... That we are sticking our nose and are meddling in Ukraine quite a bit. And Ukraine, the government of Ukraine is asking us to. So it's not like it's completely out of nowhere and unwarranted. But honestly, we have no idea where the $100 billion or so, tens and tens of billions of dollars that's been sent there already, supposedly, that it's actually gotten where it's supposed to be, what it's for. I mean, honestly, I have a question. When they are delivering military hardware into the Ukraine, my understanding is it's coming out of U.S. stockpiles. So, is that just a ledger item where we're saying, okay, $100 billion was in the US Defense Department budget, but now the US Defense Department budget has received, you know, know, has been relieved of $100 billion of assets, and those assets have been turned over to the Ukrainians? Or is it $100 billion of new assets? Because I'm I'm an investor. I invest in Northrop Grumman and Huntington Ingalls, who make ships. And, um, you know, there's quite a few different industrial companies. Lockheed Martin. The $100 billion new revenue in one year to that little field of companies, that's a huge amount of money. But if they're just taking stuff that was already built and paid for five years ago and sending it to the Ukraine, that's not even a revenue transaction. That's just the U.S. military getting weaker and us giving away our power to someone else. So anyway, the American people need to know this stuff. And do you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And I think uh, last night we had an event where Joel Palak of Breitbart News Spoken. Uh, I think he was talking about, like, I think uh, we've given so many javelins to Ukraine now that the U.S. doesn't have enough javelins to defend itself or something. Yeah, like uh, our
0: defense plan. I heard him say that. And yeah. I thought, you know, I really, I know what he's talking about. A javelin is a very high potency weapon that will, is very capable against armor, against state of the art Soviet level, you know, like Russian armor. And yeah. and I can understand the Ukrainians, Ukrainians need that. But if we're going to promise them, 500 javelin missiles which they're going to distribute in the Ukraine we'll never see those again so is that coming out of our stockpile or are we building new javelins do you know I don't know I didn't even know that I didn't have any idea about javelins really before
1: that do you know no and I yeah I you know it, it just reminds me of America first like we we have to put our country first we have to put defending our our country first um, and it reminds me of like um, in Afghanistan where we left all the military equipment I, I just I as an American citizen you know I like the idea of us keeping our own military equipment much more than sending the military equipment to like an overseas country yeah. we just may need those javelins to defeat
0: cartel mechanical trucks that have 50 caliber machine guns built into the back of them a javelin is a very effective weapon yeah. against a cartel invasion and Joe Biden's friends in the cartel would probably love for us to give away all of our javelins so that when they drive into Carmel with their mechanical trucks and take everyone hostage and demand the release of Ch- El Chapo or whatever, yeah. you know, it'd be nice if the Army National Guard could come in and javelin those suckers. But if we gave away all of our javelins, we'll just send them a nice letter, uh, you know, a demanding letter. You need to leave. Yeah. This is, you're not welcome <laughs> here. Here's a letter. And if you don't respond to this letter, we will send you another letter. Do you know what that's from? No, no. That's from this terrible movie, terribly funny movie called um, Team America, World Police. It was made by the South, South Park people and it makes fun of Hans Blix, who is the weapons inspector going to Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Mm-hmm. And he would find something that violated the terms of the treaty and he would send him a nasty letter, you know, like a really angry letter. And so <laughs> in South Park, I mean, not South Park, Team America, World Police. So there's this idea that you can send someone a letter and they're gonna do what you want. And we see it with email all the time. People send me emails. I get literally a thousand emails a day. So people will send me an email and go, well, you obviously didn't read my email. I'm like, "Yeah, no, I did not. I did not read your email. And, and so people have this idea that they're going to be responsive. But even when you get a court judgment, this is just changing the subject a little bit, but it shows you how ineffective the written word can be if you're not persuasive with it. In Los Angeles County, eight years ago, Judicial Watch, and election integrity project, got a judgment against the L.A. County Registrar of Voters mm-hmm. to clean up the voter rolls. There were 100, oh, I'm sorry, 1.5 million voters who hadn't voted in over the statutory time and should be removed from the rolls. As far as I know, that's never been executed. They got a judgment from a court. They went and pressed it and pressed it and pressed it. And do you think the L.A. County Voter Roll is substantially cleaned up? Because I sure as heck do not. Yeah. So this idea of you're going to send another letter is another thing. So now let's work <laughs> back to where we were because my idea that the cartels are going to invade Carmel if we don't you know, release El Chapo or something like that. Like they've done to several upper-middle-class Mexican towns, they've yeah. gone in and shot them up and destroyed stuff, barricaded all the exits with burning trucks and stuff like that. This has happened. Oh my gosh! It's, yeah. What would what would the United States? What would the Monterey County Sheriff be able to do about it? I mean, there was just a report. This is a tangential thing. There was just a report by um, the Selena Seaside Police Chief Nick Borges about the use of military equipment by the police force. And the the left wing and the Monterey Communist Weekly newspaper, they are out there saying, oh, the police department doesn't need a MRAP, you know, these armored vehicles. It doesn't need heavy equipment. They don't need flak jackets and, and automatic rifles and stuff. Well, actually, are you so sure? Because your little dreamland of Mexico, they're having full force armed battle all the time, military scale, like small unit tactics, military operations all the time in Mexico. And we just let in 5 million new people, generally from South and Central America, who aren't accustomed to our way of life, who are operating under the carpet or, you know, away from the scrutiny of Hans Blix and his formal letters. Mm -hmm. What do they (laughs) think is going to freaking happen? It's going to get ugly at some point. And javelin missiles might be pretty handy for the Monterey County arsenal of the California National Guard. We might want those you know and, yeah. and we should actually be prac maybe even demonstrating how they work so that anybody in the cartel that lives in Seaside goes i'm not getting in a mechanical and driving to Carmel cuz i'll get myself blown up yeah. you know that, I mean I, I know that's a little bit out there and this is going on the airwaves and so somebody's going to hear it and think it's over the line and by the way if you think it's over the line you give me a call 831-375-2227 that's a, mostly voicemail i can pick it up sometimes but mostly it goes to voicemail let me know your thoughts if you think i'm just nuts but i personally think we the people need to be prepared for such things i believe if there's fentanyl on our streets which there is and our kids are dying from that which they are and the DEA is trying to enforce it which they are and they arrest certain people that are very potent people around here who are friends with a lot of democrats by the way and they those people get arrested we could be in a situation just like these upper middle class mexican towns that have been that have been held hostage
1: yeah i mean it's really surprising it's just like it makes me think like with the chinese balloon like Joe Biden letting the Chinese balloon fly over the United States from Montana to South Carolina and, you know, perform espionage on the United States. It it makes you wonder, like, what if, like, a cartel actually came into California? Like, would Joe Biden be able to respond? Or is he compromised also by Mexico? And would he just let them, you know, come into California and do whatever they want? Mm -hmm. It's really kind of like... An interesting situation yeah and the the Ch- communist chinese definitely have agents in california big time i mean they've yep. had
0: agents on payroll of dianne feinstein yep. so this is the there's a guy that's in prison now that was actually the mayor of san francisco and then was an assembly or state senator named leland Li Yi. he's an american but he was chinese national he was affiliated with the triad gang he's in prison for arms trafficking the way i even learned his name was the nra 10 years ago or 12 years ago Named him public enemy number one because he was against the Second Amendment. Oh, wow. he was against the Second Amendment, and he's in prison now for arms trafficking between the Philippines and Malaysia or something like that. Oh, my God. So, yeah. so there are scumbags in our midst, and, yeah. and it's no joke. And people like uh, the congressman we have here, unfortunately, is Jimmy Panetta. I saw him at this government breakfast. He came over and said, hi, are you okay? How are you doing? You know, checking on me, I guess. I was standing next to a sheriff, and I'm just looking at him going, what should I say back? Because I, I said, yeah, I'm good. How are you? You know, just yeah. try to be civil. But it, because I didn't, it wasn't the venue for some kind of a debate or something. But, you know, where's he at with regard to the cartels? What's he done about border security, honestly? Yeah. And so we've got, we've got problems here. And that's the point of this show, is to get people in this area, and it's just a smattering. I have no idea who really tunes in Saturday at 4 o'clock on Power Talk 1460 in the Monterey Bay area. But I hope a lot of people, I know I know at least some, because I hear reports back from random people. Hey, I heard you on their radio this week. Yeah. And you can people can get this on podcasting. I'm hoping that picks up. I would encourage listeners to go to your favorite podcasting app and put in the Jeff Gorman Show. We post it every week up in there. You can get back shows. We've had some pretty fun ones. And I need to get better. I need more workers to help get it done to really make it easy for you to find the interview you want. I've got some good interviews in there. But my purpose here is to get information out and stimulate thought. And we need information. You know, in order for us to make good decisions, we need good information. And the media is not providing us that. KSBW, yeah. they do a decent job with the topical news. They, in terms of anything with longevity, they have a heavy editorial skew. And I'm not even sure. I think it's a subconscious bias in their cases and they're nice people. I've met met some of them, but they're they're biased and they're not going to tell us how it is from our point of view. We need to get the information cleanly and then form our own opinions. And then if KSBW is way, way off, it'll reflect in their numbers. And the Herald, I think, is really struggling because... They're totally skewed and they have been a long time. I hardly know anyone that takes the paper at this point. And but I know there are people that do. They're just mostly Democrats. So it's like the Democrat paper. This show is an effort to get the Republicans a little more informed, get them fired up, get you get you the listener to really consider some of the stuff that is going wrong and needs our attention in our community. And it starts with the truth. What is the truth?
1: Yeah. Yeah, what's interesting is nowadays like if i If I want to get the news of what's going on in the country, I mostly look at Trump's true social or other other people's true social accounts or Twitter accounts and just seeing what they're talking about and and uh, in a lot of cases with Trump, where what he posts on true social is telling the truth about what's going on in the country and whereas with the media, especially like Fox News, the media is really just kind of a marketing. A company or a marketing machine for the establishment. They're not really telling the truth of what's going on in the country. And so I think it's, yeah, it's really important to take a look at like conservative representatives, uh, social media accounts and see what they're talking about. And, you know, frankly, it's like, if it makes sense, they're, they're most likely telling the truth.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And, It isn't easy to know what's the truth. Pontius Pilate famously said to Jesus, what is true, right? What is truth? That's a fateful, fateful realization that he made that he didn't really know what was true. And it turns out, well, actually, do you think Pontius Pilate made a bad decision or the decision? He made the decision to crucify Christ, right? But actually, immediately after that, he goes to the Jewish public and says, it's my tradition to release a prisoner. This man has done nothing. Shall I release him to you? No, they shout we want Barabbas or whatever. And they send him to get crucified anyway, because the, the establishment of the day, Leon Panetta, are you listening? The yes. establishment <laughs> of the day crucified the wrong guy. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that anybody in Leon's circle is the Messiah, but I would say that the, the effort to crucify Donald Trump was misguided and that the, or at least it appeared so, to a large, large portion. Like I think in the terms of the official vote in 2020, it was 74 million people thought that he would be a better president than Joe Biden. And supposedly, 81 million people voted for Joe Biden. Now, I just want the American people to understand, that's 24% more people than voted for Obama in 2012. I personally have a difficult time absorbing that number. And to quote another famous Bible verse, and again, I'm not saying anyone around us is the Messiah or even like an anointed one, but, um, but, but there's a saying where this guy says, your faith w- has healed you. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. And the guy says, I believe, Lord, help me in my unbelief. It's like, I cannot believe. I want to believe the American election system is fantastic and rock solid, but I do not, I, I cannot accept the idea that 23.6% more people voted for Joe Biden than Obama. Obama was a very popular president. Yeah. Nobody actually thinks Joe Biden is good at anything. No. There's some people that like that backslapping, happy-go-lucky, lying style of his, but I don't understand them and why. And it's a tiny minority, and there's a huge number of people that have buyer's remorse about that sucker that did. I know they voted for him. They tell me. But they're very yeah. disappointed and disgusted with themselves. for having go. That's actually, I think that albatross will be hanging around the Democratic Party's neck for a long time. It's just like mm-hmm. Lyndon B. Johnson was, he was the necessary antecedent for Nixon. Nixon absolutely crushed it in 1968 election. This is a long time ago, I know, for a guy that's 26 years old. but yeah. <laughs> Because Lyndon B. Johnson was so bad. And Lyndon B. Johnson finally did decide not to run. And this is the time where Biden has to make that decision. Does he want to be at least self-aware enough not to run in 2024? Or is he going to do the opposite of Lyndon B. Johnson, which is he is the most unpopular president, absolute disaster in foreign policy. I mean, in the case of Lyndon B. Johnson, we'd gone from a small force of advisors in Vietnam to escalation to having, I think it was a half a million soldiers in Vietnam by 1967 or something like that, and that escalation didn't work out, and it hung around Lynda B. Johnson's neck for a long time. Now, in that case, the Democrats successfully pushed all of that anti-Vietnam sentiment onto Nixon somehow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I've talked to uh, Gordon Nakagawa when he was still alive, he was a prisoner of war in there, and he thought Lynda B. Johnson was definitely to blame for the protraction of that war and that Nixon did the right thing to end the war but it did take longer so Nick anyway foreign policy can be hung around the guy's neck and I want the American people and especially the people here in the Monterey Bay area to understand it is Leon Panetta's fault that we have Joe Biden and Leon Panetta has not shown any remorse he did apparently kind of publicly scrutinized joe biden's malfeasance in regard to this balloon incident Mm -hmm. and that's why a couple of weeks ago after the state of the union i played the clip of, of biden saying to jimmy panetta oh hey jimmy tell your dad to lighten up on me you know that was apparently about this i haven't i should have asked jimmy about that when i saw him but that was apparently what that was about why biden said that was that leon panetta had been giving him a hard time about the balloon incident yeah um so anyway what do you think about the the whole situation what's What's going on with snowflakes in your generation? And before you answer, let me just remind everyone, you're listening to The Republican View. It's a production of the Monterey County Republican Party. I'm your host, Jeff Gorman. I ran for Congress in 2020 and 2022 against Jimmy Panetta. It was uh, what I would call a harassment exercise. He raised $2.6 million. I was able to raise less than $100,000. But we did put up a fight. We did motivate a lot of Republicans. Some of them because they thought they could do better than me. But a lot of them because they appreciated that I ran and I spoke up for the Republican view. So that's why I'm doing the show. I'm not planning to run in 2024. But I am very keen to have you get involved, stay involved, keep your heart. Remember, rational is great. Science and rationale are great. But faith in the country is from your heart. And we've got to get our heart in this. And what I think is happening with our generations is Right now your generation William is learning where their heart is. They've been I, honestly public school even though it's terrible still it's better now than it was when I was a kid. When I was a kid you could literally skate through and learn nothing in Monterey schools. And now they have standards. They have a lot of ways people get through those standards but they I think they're educating people in basic math and science better than they were in the 70s. The thing is they've totally removed any kind of conviction and passion that is real heartfelt. I think, so I want to know what you think a snowflake is and where their real heart is. Like, do they care about the stuff they pretend to care about? Trans this and that and cult, uh, race oppression and all that stuff? Or are they just told they have to by their teachers? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire!
0: Huh? Ah. What's a snowflake? <laughs> okay, so that's an important thing for me, the uh, show host here, to know is not everybody sees the world through my eyes. I've heard John Handy and others talk about the snowflake. Oh, you know what a snowflake is? It's a little flake that falls out of the sky, yeah. in frozen water. But um, the idea of a snowflake, then this probably three quarters of the listeners are like, "What is he talking about, snowflake?" What I mean is people that are so they're they're beautiful little children of God, individual, unique. But they're as soon as they contact anything with a little heat, they melt right mm-hmm. So the first snowflakes that fall their 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 frozenness is melted right away by the heat capacity coming off whatever they touch. Mm-hmm. And so that's the idea of the kit but when Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton in 2016 and they show that picture of people crying and screaming and all oh, of right. that, that's what we we, the, the people that were involved in politics, would use that yeah. term snowflake to describe them. Like they just can't handle losing. Yeah. They just don't know, they don't know how to handle it when things go against them. And there's a saying, have you ever heard this? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the nose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've heard that before? Yeah. You have? From me or from someone else? Uh, yeah, I think someone else. Ah, good. So <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's actually, you've got to know what you're doing. You ha- there's another saying is you'll, you'll play like you practice, right? So if you practice well, Then you'll be able to perform on the field. And then muscle memory is a a way of doing it. So a way of communicating about that is to say muscle memory. But the American people, and I think the young people here, they do not have an instinct to defend America. They don't understand 1776. The spirit of 1776 was, see, I was eight years old when the centennial happened, the bicentennial in in 1776. We founded a country based on the Declaration of Independence. That's We've got to get that into the younger generation's heart, and I know you've got it, and I'm just not sure how much the words I use around it are are making sense to you. So Snowflake is someone that really doesn't get America, and as soon as their their vision starts to melt down they they lose all faith and they have nothing going.
1: yeah, it reminds me of like like with liberals if you you know if you tell them the truth about what's going on going on in the country they they tend to melt down and most liberals um but yeah, I think with sort of Americanism and uh, nationalism in the schools, I think it's really important to to teach the Americanism, nationalism in primary school and sort of, you know, Trump was really good about uh, sort of Americanizing the educational system in, in America. And, um, you know, I think it's important to, you know, start teaching them about the country at a young age, and then but then also continue it throughout high school. Um, and, you know, having the students read the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights, and then really understanding the story of history, um, I think, is really important. And I was just thinking, like, do you think it's okay that I kind of generalize about liberals? Of course, it's okay. <laughs> <Dark>. it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's,
0: is it really something you'd consider
1: yeah i mean honestly i was just thinking like when i was much younger i learned a lot about like america the presidents um and kind of you know learning about the country from a nationalist perspective and then in high school and college um i think that's when i started learning kind of more about um kind of liberal or socialist-esque uh Education. But why did uh. you ask me? Why did you ask me if it's okay that you generalized about liberals? Yeah, they they taught like you can't like generalize about anything. It has to really? be really yeah. So the, we should like general should be a bad word. Generalize is a bad word. Yeah, like really. Yeah, like you have to say like the majority of something or the minority of something. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. Pretty much a word that
0: describes a group like the liberals. That word is pretty much describing them and the people that are in that group are either in that group because they're liberals or they are not in that group. It is an appropriate thing to generalize at that level. Like, for example, yeah. humankind. People are generally part of humankind. If you don't want to be generalized as humankind, that means you're trying to identify as not human. Yeah. Which there are some people <laughs> like that, and they are what we call insane. Yeah. Right? So any you went to Stevenson for undergrad, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, high school, right? Yeah. And where'd you go for undergrad? I went to uh, Emerson College in Boston. Great. Did they
0: was it totally woke? Is that did, but yeah, basically was, what you just revealed to me is like how the woke mind has been instructed to think. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying you're woke, but you went through the current education system.
1: Yeah, mostly at Emerson it was definitely a woke education. So you can't generalize, huh? So yeah. like I can't say you have two eyes
0: like everybody else because that's too general or I I don't, I don't really know if I even get the fine point. I think they don't have a point. I think they're just generally trying to oppress you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, yes, I'm glad you generalized about liberals. That's what this show is about. We are trying to define the enemy. And I don't mean the enemy like we have to slay them. I mean the enemy like the person Jesus says we have to pray for when he says pray for your enemies. The woke mind is a troubled mind. The, the world is complicated. The last thing you need is some teacher's ideology blocking you from having free thought. And free speech is a way of expressing free thought. So you have every right to generalize. Yes, please generalize. Now let's get back to generalizing about liberals. What about these crazy liberals?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I I think their, their ideology is, I think it comes from the counterculture of the 20th century and the idea of rebelling against the country or rebelling against society. I think... It's just now it's gotten to the point where they have asked questions about so many things. They've rebelled against so much that the rebelling against religion, the rebelling against uh, religion as in Christianity, the rebelling against America as a country, their ideology, it's just it's it's honestly just gone too far. And I think the Trump movement and American conservatives, we really represent uh, rather than continuing to rebel We represent a return to traditionalism.
0: That is excellent, William. And I want to just remind the audience, you're listening to The Republican View with Jeff Gorman. I'm your host. I ran for Congress against Jimmy Panetta twice. I represented the Republican Party. We're going to have a convention coming up this next weekend up in Sacramento of the Republican Party. The 1,400 or so delegates are going to get together, elect a new chair or maybe the same chair as well as hear the agenda for the next two years and make plans to win elections. So I'm glad you're listening. The show is on every Saturday at 4 o'clock on Power Talk, 1460 AM and 101.1 FM in the Monterey Bay area. And you can get the show as a podcast off your favorite podcasting app. You may need to search for The Jeff Gorman Show. And this show did start as a function of my campaign. We're continuing in to try and build the Republican Party in the Monterey Bay area. Santa Cruz and Monterey need... The Republican Party and the Republican view. I've been talking today with our intern in the Monterey County Republican Party, William Burkholz. So, William, you are saying that the conservatives are trying to conserve the traditions of America, the spirit of 1776, right? Yeah. And the liberals, somehow, I, I hate this, that the, the term liberal now means someone that's basically a communist left-wing authoritarian, that's not what the word should mean like there's such a thing as a classical liberal i guess you probably learned about it like i did sort of a a relic of the 19th century or something Mm -hmm. but they're still alive and well and a lot of them think they're libertarians when they really should be republicans those people but liberal now is like it's lost its root which is the root of the word is liberty which is a form you know it's similar to freedom in the sense that you have the right to do things you can do them doesn't mean that they won't have consequences but you have the right to ride a motorcycle without a helmet, drive in a car without a seatbelt, take drugs if you want to, drink too much alcohol. You have the rights to do those things. There will be consequences, but it's it's not really if... I guess this is an important thing that the snowflake generation, you know, which I'm kind of labeling your... Gener- I'm generalizing about your <laughs> generation. The snowflake generation, they haven't really faced adversity like past American generations did. And it has a lot to do with material wealth, what I'm talking about. I know there's been diver- uh, adversity in the sense of... 11 happened when you were five years old so you kind of grew up in a world that was shell-shocked from that yeah it's a form of adversity for sure and the pandemic mm-hmm. has been adverse for all of us it's a, it's an adversity thing but I mean more in terms of material wealth like there was actually people starving in this country during the great depression there were children running around with no shoes because their parents couldn't afford shoes you know yeah. and in my generation I wore hand-me-down clothes it was very very common in the 70s to wear hand-me-down clothes because clothes expensive and middle class were getting pinched by inflation and now as the temperature goes up inflation goes up anxiety, financial anxiety is going up in this country it's I, i'm worried about how the generation will hold up and and i believe your generation is going to do well but i don't want to hold back on the adversity i want them to face the adversities that are out there and so that's where the you can handle the truth thing needs to come it's like look let's t- let's talk about nuclear war Let's talk about what will happen if China attempts a first strike on the United States. We have submarines out to sea with fully armed nuclear missiles that can be launched in a short period of time. The president of the United States shall immediately do a full-fledged nuclear attack back on Beijing and and Chinese capitals, capital uh, equipment and military installations all over the place. Mm -hmm. And it will be very, very ugly and bad. And I don't want to drive... I'm not trying to drive fear, but we need to know that we're staged to do that. And we probably are, I haven't heard anything about the quote unquote DEFCON level lately, but we're probably at a heightened state of awareness. The fact is they were attempting to gain, to surveil our land-based nuclear weapons capabilities over, you know, in the upper Midwest. And it's serious stuff. We need, American people need to understand that. And I think actually a lot of people do. Your generation certainly is aware of the balloon flew over the country, right?
1: Yeah, and I think with, you know, American conservatives, I think, in my generation, I think it's important for us to start understand, understanding what's going on in this country and, you know, what's happening militarily. You know, the liberals, it's like, you know, they they just, they like to play games. And, you know, they've spent, you know... It's like, rather than improving our country, they'd rather, like, spend time, you know, drinking and, like, playing with their dogs. And it's just Wait, like, that sounds like me. I'd like to, <laughs> to No, okay. But, you know, I mean, I think we need to, you know, we need to start improving our country. And I think the millennial generation really needs to rise to the occasion. Great. Yeah, that's funny about drinking and dogs. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a drink and enjoying <laughs> your dog. You yeah,
0: I true. totally accept the problem that everybody faces, including millennials. And I wanted to talk to you about the generational labeling a little bit, you know, generalizing as generations go. Yeah. But certainly dogs and a a drink, not maybe a 12-pack, but a drink are legitimate forms of escapism from the toils of daily life. And the coddled youth is another way to say snowflake. You know, the coddled youth... They need to mature and, as you said, rise to the occasion. So I'm just laughing, though, about your trepidation on using generalization in terms of liberals, but then your confidence to, say, a generational label like millennials. And in particular, where does the millennial age stop and the the Gen Z or whatever you want to call the next generation start? Do you know?
1: Yeah, I think the millennial generation is like from the 1980s to the 2000s. Um, And I was born in 1996, so I consider myself to be a millennial, but... You were saying, uh, I think the next generation is Gen Z and there's Zennials? Yeah. Have you ever heard that before? No. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Interesting. It was someone, it was
0: actually Sarah Rubin of the Monterey Communist Weekly. Oh, I'm sorry. Monterey County Weekly <laughs> newspaper.
1: I do that all the time on purpose, of course. I, I used to write for them. That's true. Did you
0: actually? Yeah. You really did? Yeah. Do
1: you know Sarah then? Sarah Rubin? Yeah. Yeah. She was my editor.
0: Did you, you should. Have, I mean, she's the one that told me the Zenials, but maybe she was talking about. It. I asked her she, directly in a personal conversation like five years ago, yeah. and she said, "Yeah, I'm a Zen. I consider myself a Xennial. and she didn't identify with Gen Z, oh uh, Millennials, Millennials, and I'm Gen X, very clearly Gen X. I was born in 1968. The baby, I am my generation totally threw out the baby boomers. Hippy Dippy, stupid bell bottoms and all that yeah. stuff, patchouli oil and all that. We <laughs> threw that all aside. We were the Reagan generation. You know, I was in high school in the eighties. And that was really when you got a generational break. Because the baby boomers were they went from the earlier days were like Lyndon B. Johnson or Ken, you know, they were young when Kennedy was assassinated, and so they were affected by that. And that made them kind of, I think, I mean, I don't want to offend my baby boomer audience, but I think it made them saps. They, they like totally <laughs> lost their grip on reality. The, the shooting of Kennedy was a huge tragedy for the country in the sense of, well, losing the president. And he was a well-liked president and spoke well about, I mean, he was more, much more conservative than almost anyone in the Democratic Party now. Yeah. And anytime someone gets shot, it is sad. But there was also a lot of consideration of how did this happen? You know, who did this? Who perpetrated this? And there's still classified documents about that, speaking about whether we can handle the truth or not. What the heck happened? We still don't know. So yeah. that generation, the hippy-dippy generation, with the patchouli oil and stuff, I think they were trying to escape from reality of Vietnam and Kennedy's shooting. And I, I didn't have to deal with that. I was much younger. The Vietnam War was still going on when I was little. But when you interviewed that guy, he was he's a chunk older than me, like 10 or 12 years. He was dealing with that general... Malaise that had hit the country because of these depressing things, like the Kennedy assassination and Vietnam War in particular, but also other things like eventually Watergate was that was depressing, right? You know what I mean? Like depression happens for a reason. Some of the reasons are very good reasons, like a loved one dies or you are faced with bankruptcy. These are depressing things. You're allowed to be depressed, and then a little a drink, a drink, and spending some time with your dog. That's totally good to get out from under. They're very real depressing agents in your life, and that's called escapism. But the problem I see is like, well, first of all, when someone just drinks way too much and they're incoherent, that's not good. <laughs> there's problems with that. And then also, when they, they'll get locked into video games so much that they're not interacting, and I think there's also problems with, um, I don't know how to describe it except pornography, you know, this people sort of getting sex addiction issues going on where the sex has a biological chemical response in your body. And there are clearly people that are just, they're blowing their lives. They're spending all their time in some kind of fantasy land escape instead of going out and trying to talk to someone of the opposite sex, you know?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, it's good to have a balance kind of be grounded in reality, but then also have some escapism. But yeah, I think that's what's going on with the Democrats is the Democrats are selling Democrat voters escapism. And They're just kind of, hey, you know, go and escape, you know, drink, do whatever, and we'll you know, we'll take care of you. We'll send you the checks in the mail during COVID-19 and after COVID-19. Yeah, you can rely on the
0: universal basic income.
1: Yeah. Haven't heard of that in a little while now, have we? Yeah, and I'll never forget, I used to work as a journalist, and I did an interview once, and someone I was interviewing, he said, they don't want us to be good. And that, I think that's so true, the the establishment, they don't want the American people to be good. They don't want the American people to say, Hey, you know, what's going on with my country? How can I continue to live a, you know, a good quality life? And, you know, what's the what's the future of our country? They want us to go out and party and, you know, do what liberals do so they can control us.
0: Yeah. Well I, I hate to say it, I think you're right, and it's it's terrible. It's really yeah. the opposite of what my father wanted for me. Some listeners may know me. So I'm Jeff Gorman, I ran for Congress, but my stepfather is Clyde Roberson. He married my mom when I was 10 years old. But I have a bio-father that was an Eisenhower Republican, was born in China, and when he was a teenager, the Communist Revolution of China happened. It was after World War II. My dad was in the Navy during the Communist Revolution in China, and he visited Communist China in 1948. So he saw what these rebellious spirits, these these um, communist agents were doing to the country he was born in and lived in until he was 13 years old, till right before Pearl Harbor, and he was anti communist all the way, and he was very concerned that, about the national entry. He he even had and careful on this because this might open an FBI investigation on my stepmother, the woman he married <laughs> later. He has a Betsy Ross flag. He's passed away, but she inherited it. So oh, that's wow. I, I think that's much. contraband now, a Betsy Ross flag, yeah, isn't it? Interesting, and so you know, I'm kidding, right? You know that you know what I'm talking about—the fl- flag with yeah. the, uh, 13 stars in a circle. Well, it's like the original, right? The original, yeah. yeah. yeah that's that's very much contraband now. <laughs> it's a sign of white supremacy, I guess. So, anyway, and the reason I'm talking about my family, God knows. But you've been listening to the Republican View with Jeff Gorman and William Burkholtz, our intern at the headquarters office. By the way, we are looking at moving our office to Salinas where the people are and where the county government is. That is very likely to happen. I'm the county chairman for the Monterey County Republican Party, and we're getting fired up. So if you have a strong opinion about that, you go ahead and start voting. If we get more money saying don't move coming in the front door on our electronic website, et cetera, versus saying do move, we might, well, if we get enough money, we'll have an office in both places. But right now we're planning to move to Salinas because that's where the county seat of government is. That is... Much more accessible to people from King City and North Monterey County to get to our headquarters. And also, we need to reach the younger generation. So William has been sharing with us thoughts about the generational issues and helping me to understand things. Because I believe firmly that we need to rise up as a people, step up to the occasion. I feel the same way you described a few minutes ago. Yeah. My generation needs to step up. I'm Gen X, and there aren't that many people from Gen X that are really high profile in our culture. I mean, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, would you say they're, those are Gen X people, yeah. right? Yeah. So there there are people stepping up now, finally. It took a while, though. There was a, There was a feeling I got when Bill Clinton was getting really old and Al Gore was getting old. And honestly, even Donald Trump and certainly Joe Biden, it's like these people are not – they are not – representing my generation i mean they they may speak well to america in the case of mr trump i support him very much but where's my generation and now we are seeing them step up so it takes a while but i still feel we have a lot of people especially here in the monterey bay area that feel oppressed they feel like they're not hearing anyone say anything that resonates with their point of view and frankly if you disagree with me i totally support you in that but get up and speak and become part of become active in a club or you know we just had this meeting As William mentioned earlier, we had a guy from Breitbart News come and speak in Monterey, and we need to get hundreds of more people involved in these kind of events. So give us a call, 831-324-0617 is the Monterey County Republican headquarters. Again, that's 831-324-0617. We look forward to meeting you and letting you know about events coming up in the near future. We've got the California Convention is looming on our horizon, but that's going to be up in Sacramento next weekend. But after that, we're going to have clubs throwing events regularly. We've got the Association of Monterey Bay Conservatives, sort of a loosely affiliated group. We also have Republican clubs like the Republican Women Federated of the Monterey Peninsula of South Monterey County. In fact, I'm going to be speaking in South Monterey County on, in that's going to take place at King City on the 7th at noon. So give us a call. Actually, I think it starts at 1115 or something. But give us a call. Find out details about these events. The Republican women meet each month. Association of Monterey Bay Conservatives meets each month. And there are plans in the works to start a California Republican Assembly chapter in the Monterey Bay area where there's a little tug of war, whether it's going to be a Monterey County thing or a regional thing, including Santa Cruz. There's also already formed a Central Coast Congress of Republicans, which is part of a national or a California, at least. Organization, We're going to have a chapter of that here, a little more active in the near term. So lots of ways to get involved. Stay tuned. Go to our website, MontereyRepublicans.org, and sign up for our newsletter. We did just put out a newsletter, our first one in a couple of months, uh, Monday or Tuesday this week. So you should have gotten that if you're on our list. If you didn't, give us a call. Again, 831-324-0617. We would love to add you to our email list.
1: William, it's been a pleasure to have you with us on the show. What do you got to say to close it out? Yeah, and I think overall, with kind of fixing what's going on with Gen X, Y, and Z, and uh, especially the millennial generation, I think it's important for people to have responsibility. Being responsible, being responsible of what's going on in their lives, being responsible with how they vote, being responsible with the future of the country, and when you you know when you have responsibility of those things, you really have ownership of them. And you can keep track of them, and you can keep the government from controlling your, your daily life. And it's all about independence at the end of the day. Yay. So
0: good. Well, you know, William is 26. He's been interning with our office here at the Monterey Republicans, and he has been a huge help. So it's helpful to me to understand. I, I want my listeners, our listeners, to know that they can handle the truth, but it's not going to be pretty. It's a little bit like taking the red pill in the movie The Matrix. You know, <laughs> It's kind of ugly out there. So. So hang in there with us out there in the Monterey Bay area. We appreciate you listening. And you can get the show on podcast if you're getting it from Germany or somewhere else. God bless you. God bless all of you. And God bless the United States of America.